It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from Journal.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 47 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. In case you didn't notice, we actually posted the winners of our listener appreciation contest on Facebook, Twitter, and social media last week. Thanks to everyone who left a review on iTunes and Stitcher. Your support for Pirates of the Caribbean Minute has definitely been great, and we love the support and feedback. We look forward to bringing you more swashbuckling content and continually striving to deliver the best show possible. At least I'll continue to bring the best show possible, and then I will cover and make up for what Heather brings to the show. Love pirates and all that stuff, I should say. Yes, whatever. She's not even going to comment. She's like, I, I don't even listen to you. What do you, I have She to, gave me the idiot look. Yeah. yeah. The, the one that Jack gives Will in this episode, or this minute. We actually had quite a mix of winners from mythology to Star Wars and even a pirate. So our grand prize went to Minotaur. Our second place prize goes to Admiral Yeti. Which, kind of thinking this is more of a Star Wars type character. Maybe it's more Admiral Wampa. If that was a username. But I, I'm going to say Star Wars anyways, just because it just brings back Star Wars to me. Visit StarWarsMinute.com. <laughs> Alex and Pete, they're the ones who started the genres, you know. And then we have Anne Bonnie 1782 for the third place prize. Anne Bonnie, really? Yeah, I actually looked up her username. Yeah? Well, because Anne Bonnie I knew. And then 1782 actually corresponded to either her birth or her death. I don't remember which one now, but it was something to do one of those things. It had to be her death, probably. What year? 1782. Yeah, it would, it would have, to, it'd have to be her death. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would make more sense yeah. than birth. So yeah. I'm glad I corrected myself on that before Heather had a chance to chime Calico in. Because Calico Jack, I think, was hung in, 80, in 82. No, no way. It was earlier than that. It was in the, the 20s, 1722 or something like that. 1721, 1722. Yeah, That's just off the top of my head. I don't know then. And I will research that later, and everybody else probably will, and then we'll go, man, that guy is just awesome. <laughs> Whatever. And I'll go, you know what? I am channeling my inner Norrington, that overconfidence, that hubris. That's who I am. I'm Norrington, but with a touch of Captain Barbosa. I just don't want to be the upstuffy Norrington. I'd rather be more the pirate guy, but I had to channel something there. So thanks again. Man, this has just delved into a whole bunch of craziness. So thanks again and congratulations. Actually, I need to give a shout out to Spencer Barron, who's our Twitter star and true pirate of the week. He really tried to pull the wool over our eyes and came up with a good reason why we should have chose him to be the winner. And then I had to actually go and blame it on a random number generator and all that stuff. Because obviously we wanted him to win and it just didn't happen that way. Stars were stacked against him, at least for a pirate. And so... He claimed to be a true pirate there and, and really said that we chose wrong and he really tried to pull the wool over our eyes. It was pretty good. So if you want to join in to some of those crazy conversations, join us on Twitter or Facebook and we're happy to, to have some fun there. So he definitely gets a nod for that. 
So as you just heard with that clip, we can't forget to give an incredible shout out and happy anniversary, 50th anniversary, to Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Over the weekend, the 50-year mark was hit. The ride debuted on March 18, 1967. In honor of 50 years of bringing the world adventurous buccaneer fun with the unmistakable characters only Imagineers could develop and deliver, here's a toast to Pirates of the Caribbean. Daniel Hoosington MacArthur and Spencer Barron, again, Spencer thanks, both shared and posted a 50th anniversary Pirates of the Caribbean video to our Facebook page, which we then shared to our timeline, so go check it out at facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. And that brings us to our Monday episode. And you could hear the change in tone of my voice because I know I'm in for a rough ride. The waters, it's a stormy sea happening. And I have to say it, because it is Monday, it means we are starting things off with our pirate word or phrase of the week. Heather, what do you have for us today? Friendly nice pirates or pure cutthroats? I'm dying to know. Am I... Do I need to cue the wah, 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 or do I just go happy, glee, arr, there, matey? Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. What do we got? Well, I'm going to burn and blast your bones today. (laughs) What? (laughs) Burn and blast your bones. Burn and blast my bones. (laughs) Arr! Hey, I think that's an insult to me personally, but I am just tickled and thrilled that we have bones and blasting and whatever else you said. Burning? Burning. I mean, (laughs) cue the hooray. I I know you wanted to go with something more death and I needed a little dark action happening. Yes. So I found one. Okay, hit us with it. Or are you just going to leave us with the same reaction and tell me what it is, the definition and stuff? It's a milder alternative to damn you. (laughs) I like it. Hit us with it again. Burn and... Burn? Burn. Yeah, it's pirate speak. So you're saying in pirate speak? Yes. Burn and blast your bones. That was kind of a southern... (laughs) I don't know what that was. I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) Burn and blast your bones. (laughs) It's better that way. And in studio with us today is Colonel Sanders, promoting pirates and fried chicken. Thanks, Colonel Sanders, for the pirate word or phrase of the week. So, again, it's a milder alternative to darn you. One condemned, darn you or damn you? Damn you, sorry. One condemned to earnest damnation is blasted to hell. Well, thanks for that. That is awesome. I'm going to start using that all the time. We also, (laughs) I got to get the t-shirt thing going too, because that would definitely be good on some t-shirts. Yes, it would. All right. We're not disappointed. And I think actually that fits in with this minute because Norrington is probably saying that to Jack. (laughs) Under his breath. You bet. (laughs) In the previous minute, Will and Jack defy physics and show a superhuman strength by overcoming the 2,000 pounds of force required to turn a rowboat into a makeshift submarine, allowing them to successfully navigate the harbor undetected and climb on board the HMS Dauntless. The last we left Jack and Will, they were starting to make an announcement to the crew by telling everyone to remain calm. Minute 47 begins with Captain Jack Sparrow finishing his message that they are taking over the ship. Will Turner steps up with blade in hand and says, Aye, avast! 
The dauntless crew and Royal Marines burst into laughter as Gillette smugly replies, This ship cannot be crewed by two men. You'll never make it out of the bay. The minute ends with Jack and Will sailing out of the harbor. The Interceptor catches up to the Dauntless and with the aid of grappling hooks, the Royal British Navy begin to board and retake the commandeered ship. Okay. To me, I know we've talked about this, but it looks like Will Turner needs to pay a visit to the HR office. He really loves to and dabble in stereotypes and he's going to end up offending someone. Poor Jack is going to have a tear to his eye if he thinks that, man, this guy's really making fun of pirates here. <laughs> Avast and I, I mean, he's really dabbling in those things. I don't even know if it's dabbling. He's just full on, this is what pirates do. There you go. It's like he's dressed up for Halloween. I don't know if you remember, but a few couple minutes ago, Will said... A couple minutes ago or a couple episodes ago? Well, either way, it doesn't matter. When Jack asks Will if he wants to turn a pirate and Will says, no. Yeah. Well... Will's pirate. <laughs> Not only has he just commandeered a ship, he is now talking, or what he thinks, talking pirate. <laughs> That's right. I think it's actually a stroke of genius from Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. I mean, we've discussed plenty of times that they delivered this pirate movie that we wanted, that's this film steeped in all the pirate lore and romanticism, not just like a documentary. Not only are they playing on the audience's guilty pleasures and ideas of what pirates were and are, not R, an R, R, but actually R, R. I don't know if I could ever say R again R. without saying that. Yeah, are we R into the store? I mean, they transfer those stereotypes to Will Turner. I mean, this gives us yet another reason why we want to like and connect with him. This is why we actually support him as the underdog. It's because of these small comedic <laughs> moments and things. Yeah, he's so relatable to us. Yeah, opportunities to laugh at him and laugh with him. And to feel like he's one of us just really take us there. Not to mention, we're just continuing to see this tongue-in-cheek tone that's being set by the writers. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I do too. Will actually is playing into this whole notion that we are talking about of romanticized pirates and stereotypes. And I imagine that this idea of pirates was not just an artifact of the 20th and 21st centuries that we see or that we've come to know. I see these embellishments happening even at the time. And I really didn't look into the historical accuracy of what I just said. So I don't really know. <laughs> I like to just make things up and it sounds legitimate. Maybe I probably should have looked it up. But it seems to me that the writers of the time, you know, say in the 1700s, would have made some of the characters larger than life. Maybe more bloody and exciting. And this is something like we saw with dime novels and whatever else. They were priced at in the 1800s around the Old West, where you see characters that are larger than life themselves. These kind of folk heroes, these William Bonney types or Jesse James, you know, that they became more than just bank robbers or murderers. But they were somewhat heroes of the day that were brought about by some of these stories. So I believe that, at least I think that that would be something that probably happened back in the 1700s with pirates. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, and what, what got me thinking about that is actually we were watching Black Sails, and they kind of tackled this whole idea. And I'm not sure if it's based on any real fact themselves, or if they were just making it up or taking that kind of genre from the West and entangling that with the time period for themselves. But if you remember, when Calico Jack Rackham visits Eleanor Guthrie's grandparents, a girl at this estate that they're at, or their estate, is asking Jack about Captain Vane. 
She says she read some incredible stories in the newspaper and then Jack turns around and says, you know, you can't believe that stuff and tells her really about who Captain Vane was and, and the real person that he knew. And she basically says that the truth is not as exciting as what the stories were, or what the articles are describing about Captain Vane and pirates because she was really into the whole pirate thing. Right. So I kind of take that as if that is historically accurate, that maybe, you know, that we are seeing some of that that Will's experience with pirates other than the merchant's ship in the beginning was reading newspaper articles, reading things that people heard about them, reading the lore. And he's just, okay, I'm going to try and fit in as a pirate. <laughs> and what he knows is what he read in stories or these little novelizations, these little paperbacks or these columns in the newspapers. Yeah. Or what he's heard in the local tavern, you know, with drunken pirates who are laughing and saying, hey, everybody thinks we're saying R and a mast and <laughs> I, you know, so these are the things that maybe he's heard and he's just repeating them. Do you think he knows what they mean? Because they kind of don't make sense. Well, uh, they kind of do. I, avast? Well, I is yes. Yeah, avast is stop. So why yes, would he stop. say those? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that was my point. Well, it, well stop kind of. Well, no, stop. not really. Yes, stop. <laughs> yeah, no. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Stop listening to him. <laughs> I think he's just saying it because those are, like I said, he's been in a tavern and he's heard these people just saying, these are what, can you, they're all, the pirates are sitting there having their grog and they're all, can you believe that these people actually think we talk like that? And then, <laughs> then when somebody comes in, a citizen or, you know, just a normal townsperson, they're like, Arr, there maybe so they play it up <laughs> for the whole they want to keep up that perception and that frightening perception but you can really see that when they're behind closed doors they're drinking tea with their pinky in the air the pirates <laughs> the real pirates behind the scenes but they got to keep up that perception that way everybody fears them and then they just hand over their loot without fighting <laughs> that, that's my new theory <laughs> pirates were actually more high society than anyone else but they just didn't really play that so will the only thing conversation he heard is when he walked in and then they changed their tone and they're like, oh, there's a citizen here. There's a townsperson, regular person. Pretend like, you know, we're, we're talking pirate. <laughs> Avast. Aye. So that's what I think happened. <laughs> and Jack looks at Will like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? I mean, seriously, we're trying to do this seriously and you are throwing just words out there. Yeah, that's good. Jack is sitting there going, oh, my God, what have I signed up with? <laughs> and then Will looks over at Jack like, what? Isn't that right? <laughs> Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Jack should have given, you know, Jack was so quick to try and give Will some nautical terms. He probably should have given him a few <laughs> pirate words to actually yeah, talk about. Or, or discussed what they're going to do when they make it up there. I mean, but Will had something he could have said. He could have said, we're here to commandeer the ship. Yeah. But no. He goes to a vast and I and stuff. <laughs> but I think that this saying actually also has practical applications for the movie. Gillette and the crew bust up laughing because they know two people can't steal the ship. Then Jack says, I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. You're basically forgetting that I'm the one who's always two or three steps ahead of everyone. So this whole scene is actually setting up more kind of character, if you will, kind of development or at least expanding or, or staying within the realm of who these characters really are. Yeah. And it's a nice nod to the fact that Jack is always ahead of the game. He always has a plan and doing kind of moving this this forward with his actions. 
I mean, Gillette should have remembered that Jack turned the tables on him when he was being cuffed with the irons. Jack says, finally. So his plan was coming together for this first escape. So now we're reminding Gillette again that possibly this is all part of a second escape plan. They're just, well, they just keep doubting Jack as the worst pirate that they've ever heard of or seen. And Jack is saying, you have already forgotten that I did the whole hoist, merry-go-round, sky swing thing. And you forgot about that. I'm not the worst pirate. And I was he was trying to do a subtle reminder to take me seriously. And then they still didn't do it. Well, is he also reminding Gillette that um, he is no match for him? I think that's part of it, yeah. You know, because he calls him son on, on top of it. And, and he smirks at Gillette. You know, with all the confidence in the world I have. You know, he kind of gives him this smirk like, I'm Jack Sparrow. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you that's know? what I'm saying too. I think that's all part of this whole scene here is is exactly that. And poor Gillette. He really looks bad to his Norrington there. <laughs> you know, he's lost Jack twice now. That's right. I, th- I think that's exactly what it is. I think that there's some of that. Well, there's a lot of overconfidence between the British Navy and the officers compared to the pirate Jack here. Yeah. This is where we go next. We see Jack and Will playing the fools. Or are they playing the fools? Being that Norrington and Gillette are the fools. So they're playing the fools when they're when Norrington is looking through the telescope. They're pretending oh, to do this. Yeah. Like, how are we going to get this boat to sailing or this ship to sailing? <laughs> and they're acting like goofballs. And Norrington's like, these guys are just idiots. You know, are they really just playing the fools? You know, the fools being Norrington and Gillette and everybody else that's looking at them thinking, these guys are just morons. Right. This is when Norrington says his catchphrase with a twist. This time, instead of heard, he says, Captain Jack Sparrow is the worst pirate I have ever seen because he was just looking at him through a telescope. Before it was his action that he was witnessing. You know, I've heard about your reputation. And then now he actually meets him. He's like, boy, you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of. I can't believe I've ever heard of you. And now he's actually seen it and goes, man, this guy really is not good. <laughs> then we have all of this backed up because Captain Sparrow then smiles as the Interceptor approaches. It's like, all in a day's work. They're following my plan. They're not falling, but following. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking the bait. <laughs> yeah, maybe falling for the bait, I should have said. <laughs> it's all just a cakewalk for him. He seems He has everything planned out, ready to go, and they are just falling lockstep into what he wants them to do. Yep. So, again, I wanted to bring up the details of the ship. I know we keep mentioning this. Will is going up the steps to go meet Jack and tell him that they're coming. You see the railings, and they're all worn down. Oh, yeah. You know, so they went to the extreme of actually wearing down the railings of the ship and everything to show you that, you know, it's... It's used in that. Or was it part of the, or was it part of just the ship in general? Actually, which ship, that was on the Dauntless. Dauntless. So the Dauntless was, yeah. So that was worn down then, which is pretty cool for the effect. Yeah. Because it wasn't like one of the other ships that they were using, for instance, that they brought in, like the Lady Washington or something. Right. So it's just the details are just amazing. Yeah, to be able to think about that, like, oh, we should wear this down. And yeah, it's pretty crazy that they do that. Yeah. 
and other details, kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. In the past episode, we explored Gillette and his backstory a bit, but we actually forgot to introduce who the actor was that was playing him, and that's kind of our bad. It's a wah wah wah. Oh, really? Moment. We've never actually introduced that? No, we didn't. We, we talked about Gillette himself as a character in the story, but we actually never just said who the actor was. And so I thought this would be a good time to bring that up again because we do see some Gillette action here. Yeah. That honor goes to Damien O'Hare. He's been quite busy with the whole acting thing from movies to TV to video games. Then there's some pirate or period pieces that are related items of note that I think, you know, at least applicable to us here at Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. And that includes a role as George Washington in the series Timeless, Assassin's Creed 3, Rogue, and Black Flag video games. And he reappears in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides as Gillette. Then we have an officer who appears with Norrington a couple of times when he's saying his catchphrase, and he also will do so again in the next couple minutes, I believe, that are coming up, so that'll be good. He is known as the officer in The Curse of the Black Pearl, but actually, when he makes another return to the franchise, he actually gets a name, which is Lieutenant Theodore Groves, so he does graduate into actually having a name in the later films, but for right now, he's just the officer. He's played by Johnny Reese, but in The Curse of the Black Pearl, he was credited as Greg Ellis. And he's also definitely been keeping busy, way busy, with more than 200 acting credits spanning TV, film, and tons of video games. Wow. So for our Star Wars fans, Pete and Alex at StarWarsMinute.com, as we said, he voiced Baron Valen Rudor and a stormtrooper in a number of Star Wars Rebels TV series episodes and Turk Falso in Star Wars The Clone Wars TV series. He was Net Mender in The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, and that's a shout out to our colleagues at Lord of the Rings Minute. And he makes a return to the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise in At World's End and on Stranger Tides, but this time, as I said, he becomes Lieutenant Theodore Groves. So we mentioned that he was credited as Greg Ellis in Curse of the Black Pearl, and his real name is Johnny Reese, and I found a quote about that from him, and he says, I'm reverting back to using my real name professionally, turning 16... Actors Union required I change my name, so I wrote a list of 30 names and Greg Ellis was one of them. It's going to take some time before I am going to say Johnny Reese instead of Greg Ellis. So he's kind of moving back to that because another actor had already had Johnny Reese and the union said you have to pick a different name. Oh. And so then he did. But now maybe they're less stringent on that and he's going back to, to using his, his name. Right. His real name anyways. Huh. So Greg Ellis before that and just recently within, I think just really recently within the past year or two, a couple of years, he started using Johnny Reese again. Oh, okay. So that's really all I have. I don't know if you have anything more. That's all I have for today. Well, I say we wrap things up. So we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 48 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Monday, get me my grog. It's Sunday, get me my grog. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, get me my grog every day. There you go. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Have something to say? then give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. If you like the show, then do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can also contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash piratesofthecaribbeanminute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, 
and on soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have post-episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags. <laughs>